baby girl you just gotta be worthy yeah yeah but you don't gotta be perfect oh 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 you just gotta be worthy yeah 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 no oh, no everybody doubted me but girl you stuck around and you told me if i hold you you gonna hold me down you don't gotta be perfect Welcome to Talking Giants versus the world. I've been I've been saying that a lot. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Pennick. Got a good amount to get to today. We got our our D-line review and our tight end review. Uh, we do we're gonna like we'll do position reviews to fill in throughout the next month. Today's D-line and tight end because we literally have no news to talk about in Giants land. Like we we could talk about the Eagles firing Doug Peterson a little bit. But Justin, but you, let me stop rambling and explaining everything and, and explaining every intricate of each sentence, which I tend to do. How are you? Ooh, Bobby Skinner, there's so much to talk about today. We have so much to get to. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm doing well. Doing well. Kind of tired. It's been a while since we talked. It's been a while since we chatted. It's been a while since we talked Giants. Um, first of all, I have two questions for you. One, who in the world is against us? Because typically when people say, you know, like, oh, talking Giants versus the world, it's it's me, it's me against the world. Like, who, like, I always ask, well, who exactly is against everyone. you? Everyone. Number one. The world. And number, er, everyone, just the everyone world. is against the, the, us. The, the world. <laughs> All right. I, it's, it's literally in the title. It. We're talking Giants first, the world. Their world is against us. And number two, how did you enjoy super duper... Wild card weekend. Not necessarily just talking about the games, but just as an experience, because this was different. Here's what I'll say. I'm looking forward to the four game slate this weekend. Just from one till basically midnight, two on two weekend days. That's that's a lot of football watching, man. Like, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it. Um, a lot of the games were good. You know, the Ravens Titans game was pretty good. Uh, Bills Colts was was uh, exciting. The uh, the Nickelodeon I actually thought was was a huge success. Doesn't mean that I would watch it every week on Nickelodeon. But I thought for a one-time like kind of novelty, it was pretty cool. So I thought it was um some really good football. And then even like even like the Steelers game, it's like, are they going to come back? Are they going to come back? Like it, it it was it was a fun weekend of football. It was an exhausting weekend. I loved every second of it. Oh yeah, exhausting. Yeah, I mean, exhausting. like I said, it's it's twenty four. It's basically twenty four hours of mandatory viewing was yeah. this weekend, where it's nice. This upcoming weekend, it's like okay, the games start at like three thirty. Like you basically have your whole day ahead of you. You know, you have like a you have a work day if you, if you get up early to you know get stuff done, hang out with the family, do whatever, and then it's like all right, let's finish the day off with some football. Which I know we're, we're in a baseball company, and we get baseball is awesome, baseball is great, baseball is fun, just shoved down our throats. Because let's I mean let's face talking Giants team is three people, and that's football. And then everybody else in our company is focused around baseball. So they're doing, I mean, partially what John Boy Media does a great job with is that they promote baseball. Oh, is that partially what they do is baseball? That is partially what they do. But then you, I mean, and you see what's happening with baseball, how the offseason still hasn't even started. The offseason sucks. I was thinking about that today. It's like, at least with us, it's like, hey, we don't, like, we'll talk about free agency the, you know, the week before and when it starts. With baseball, it's like... Like you're just sitting there waiting, so you have to talk about the same topics over and over again. Where football is like, man, like you can literally we don't we don't we don't repeat topics on this show in the off season. No, we don't, we don't. And you know, 
there's a lot of reasons why, you know, we will get into the intricacies of why baseball is failing in a lot of different ways in terms of the in terms of its entertainment value, but then you look at just putting a football game on Nickelodeon and, you know, I wasn't was I thrilled with the entertainment? No, but was it something unique and were kids watching it and were people talking about it? Yes, it's a, it was that little thing of putting just a stupid football on, on Nickelodeon and the fact that Mitchell Trubisky MVP Mitch that. that was awesome. I mean, that's this. It's just genius marketing moves by the NFL. Also, including the fact that there were six playoff games, just simply adding a team, which a, a lot of people were up in arms to probably when they made that rule change initially. Like, oh, yeah, it's going to be too easy to make the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Well, well, you get an extra three hours of football on one of the most exciting weekends of football out of the entire year. So it was awesome. Like the NFL is just awesome at promoting their sport and doing what they do. Yeah, MVP MVP Mitch was fun. Uh, it was a fun weekend of football. Here's a little teaser because we do want to get into the giant stuff. We're, we'll talk about Eagles Doug Peterson at the end. We'll finish off the end of the episode Ooh. talking about Doug Peterson being fired by the, the Eagles. All right, we got to get into our D line tight end review. Before whoa, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. This, who's sponsoring today's show? I said before that. I, I had it Ooh. before you. I, oh, your boy knows what he's doing. The kid is is good. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Doug E. Peterson. Fresh. Doug E. Fresh. Oh. Dave. Guy's name is Dave with a lowercase d. Do you know who that is? Dave D. No. It's Big Baby David. Speaking of oh. John Boy Media and baseball Ooh. dicks. Um, Jeez. That was wrong. Jeez. That was mean. He listens. It's rude. I know. I know. That's See, the more... And that fact that I know he listens means I want to be rude because like I'm being rude to your face. I right. would never be rude right. behind your back. That is true. You are that type of person. And then Fady Hage Jr., who was the guy who left the one-star review talking about how good we are. So, oh, genius. Yeah. Justin, who are these three these uh, three baseball nerds? Mm. Wow. Just put them all under that cloud. Uh, these three nerds went to patreon.com slash talking giants. Bug Bug Do. They also call them Bug... <laughs> that makes me, I don't know what the origin of that is, but the fact they call it Bug Bug Do makes me laugh. They went to patreon.com slash talking giants. $2 a month. Uh, you get to watch the shows live as we record them if you so wish over the offseason. We're going to have some fun Patreon chats with the offseason this... Uh, we're going to have some fun Patreon chats with the chat this offseason. There we go. And uh, you get entered into raffles a couple times a month to win shirts. Bobby sends you a free magnet. He sends you things. He, uh, You get to talk to Bobby. You get to talk to whoever. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Thank you for your support. Yep. All right. Let, let, let's get into it, Justin. Let's talk about the defensive line group and the tight end group. And we'll start with the D-line. We'll start with the good and end with the bad, even though it's not, it's not horrible. Justin, some overall thoughts on the defensive line before we go into individual players. This defensive line, the defensive tackle group, defensive tackle, like let's be specific, it is a defensive tackle group. This isn't a 4-3 defensive line. These are defensive tackles. Justin, the group had 21 sacks. The Giants team as a whole had 40. 39 were by Giants players. I'm assuming one was a QB running out to the sideline. So out of 40, out of 39 sacks by Giants players, this defensive tackle group had 54%, 21. Just the defensive tackles had more sacks than the Raiders, the Jags, and the Titans, and the Bengals' entire defenses had, Justin. This is arguably the best defensive tackle group in the NFL. Argu- it arguably is. And it just doesn't it doesn't mean that they're, oh, they're just a run-stuffing team. 
The defensive tackles are run stuffers. It allows the New York Giants linebackers to play the pass. It allows Blake Martinez, Tay Crowder, to get back in passing zones. It allows the safeties to not have to come up and help run when it's not needed. It allows Jabril Peppers to play a more free role, not having to be super sound and with gap integrity. It allows Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder to have easier run responsibilities because these guys are taking up two guys a lot of the times. And Justin, it led to pressure up the middle. I mean, the pressure numbers for these guys were awesome. And they had 34 out of the 74 tackles for a loss. 54 out of the 107 QB hits. This defensive tackle group, I think, is the most impressive group on the entire Giants roster. And it should be with the investment that has been put into it. Yes, 100%, without a doubt. What I love about this unit, and what I love, and this is just with Patrick Graham's scheme overall, kind of does give you the illusion that you maybe can run the ball. I kind of don't want a defense that will totally that you look at it and you totally and you totally say I absolutely cannot run the ball against this defense. You can. Now, the Giants raw rush your know, rushing yards allowed numbers are top 10. I think they're 15th. They've allowed the 15th most rushing attempts or they've been run they've been ran against the 15th most in the National Football League but they've allowed the 10th least rushing yards. They've allowed 4.1 yards per carry, which is 8th least in the National Football League. But some of their more little advanced numbers that you can find on Football Outsiders in terms of the percentage of runs that they allowed that go for 10-plus yards, the consistency of runs that they allow for 4, 5, 6 yards, it's kind of below average. But this is something that is also significant when you look at things from a situational point of view. The Giants are number one in the National Football League in yards per carry, rushing yards allowed, yards per carry in the fourth quarter with 2.8. That is best in the National Football League. So when it counts and when teams may be ahead and when they're trying to run the ball and trying to keep that lead, Giants defense in 2020 did, did what they had to do and buckle down. But Giant, you look at, so moral of the story, you look at those raw numbers, they're impressive. Giants are top 10 rushing defense. But you look at some of the more advanced numbers, they do give up a little bit, but I like that. I like that because then you give offenses the impression that you can run the ball against this Giants defense, even though it's not that successful. Yeah, man. I mean, it's an awesome group. And here's something Patrick Graham had him doing. All these guys were just dropping back in coverage on certain plays. We yeah. saw <laughs> Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, BJ Hill, um, even you know Leonard Williams a few times. All these guys dropping back in coverage. And it worked. Like, it worked. It didn't mean these guys were covering running backs in the flats. It's just they drop back and occupied one zone which a zone could have a lot of times that's where a team's check down will be or if a play is not opening up deep you know the drag route where it's like you just find that one hole it would close that hole and those both those all those guys did a good job when they asked to, to do about that what did i just say all right blah, blah, blah. let's but this is the def, this is player review now remember this isn't player profiles and projections we're not going to spend 15 minutes on each guy but a guy we do need to spend a little time on is leonard williams I mean, he had a career best year, Justin. Six foot five, three hundred two pounds. He had fifty-seven tackles, eleven and a half sacks, fourteen tackles for a loss, thirteen QB hits, and forty-one pressures. All uh, how many? How many QB hits? Thirty. You said thirteen. Wanted to make that clear. Thirty. Thirty. Yeah. Not thirteen. Thirteen on seventy-four percent of the snaps. Now he is a free agent with playing on the franchise tag. Justin, I know you have been, you know, banging the table all offseason. Like, you people will love Leonard Williams. Like, the half-sack year 
was the it was the anomaly. He will get sacks. Now I don't think we thought he was going to get eleven and a half, but he had an all. He should have had been an All Pro this year. He had an All Pro year, um, and this was the first year where he really did live up to that draft spot. He like he lived up to his draft spot. Now past years, even when he was good, he didn't lift up to that draft spot. But he lived up to that top five draft pick or top six. Yeah, I uh, I did some NFL rankings for Leonard Williams too in terms of where he ranks and some of his stats. So he was third in the NFL in QB hits. He was tied for third in tackles for loss. He was seventh in the NFL in sacks behind, and then, excuse me, second behind Donald for interior defensive lineman. Seventh in the NFL in sacks, second behind Aaron Donald for interior defensive lineman. Tied for fourth in the National Football League in QB pressures. Fourth in QB knockdowns, which, by the way, Marcus Golden was seventh, and I feel like he barely played this year. So that's a fun fact. Um, Best pass rusher on the Giants. (laughs) We, we may talk about – I may not mind going back out and getting Marcus Golden. He doesn't which, want to come back, but I would love to have him back. I, I can imagine he may be a little salty. But if there's one team that offers him a contract, then it's the Giants, and he may have to say yes. And I would not mind that. Um, but anyway, 74% of, of snaps, like Bobby said, that's the least in his career. I think the his rookie he, his rookie year he had 77% of the snaps and obviously you know when Patrick Graham he, you know you have the rotation you have a uh, you know oh, how many guys do we have in this defensive line review Austin five. Johnson BJ Hill five total of five guys so there is a really good rotation uh 74% of the snaps that's the least in his career but he was so very 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 productive and he clearly was the most relied upon defensive lineman now I have I have things to say there's years where he's played like 87% of snaps. Yes. Yeah, like, okay. His second year, he played 87% of snaps. That's nuts. And the production this year was the best that he had. All right, so he, so here, so here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm saying about Leonard Williams. Before we get into any kind of what do we do alternatives, but maybe a little bit of a case on why Leonard Williams deserves to stay. But we're not going to have that conversation yet. Bobby, I want to make this clear. I am not an evaluator of talent or an ex- or an expert on football, right? I'm someone who looks at numbers on different websites and then says words and thoughts. That's what I do. Stop it. When you, you know how to evaluate you evaluate Giants players better than everyone besides me. All right. This is not where this is not the time besides you. This is not the time where I want to compliment from you, Bobby. I'm trying to humble myself. But I'm not about to I'm about to give myself credit though. I could have predicted that Leonard Williams had a year like this. You know, maybe not 11 and a half sacks where he's top 10 in the National Football League. I could have, pre- I really, really did believe that he could get close to 10 sacks this year. I really did believe that. And believe it or not, in the QB hits department, it wasn't that much dramatically better than what he did in 2019. It was a career best, but it wasn't all that like dramatically much better. So you look at the production of Leonard Williams and you say, some people say we can't afford to bring this guy back. And the only reason I have heard as to why he can't replicate any this kind of success in 2021 is some dumb theory that players only perform well during their contract years. That's the only good theory that I have heard as to why he can't replicate this success. Because 2019, he laid the foundation for the success that he was going to have in 2020. And 2019 was a contract year for him, too. And here, here's something that we are, I remember we argued about on the PPP. is like Last year, he only had half a sack. And that didn't define him, but also it's like he, but he has to get some sacks. Like he has to get to, and you know, you know, four, you know, four plus sacks a year to be worth, you know, a big money contract 
to us, you know, or at least anywhere, you know, where Leonard Williams would get paid. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Anybody who was saying like, oh, Leonard Williams never gets sacks because of 2019 wasn't looking at his career. His career, he gets sacks. He had four sacks, five sacks, seven sacks, you know. Like you said, we weren't predicting 11 and a half, but if you, if you would have told us before the year he's going to get eight, nine, I don't think either one of us would have been surprised. And, yeah. but with the help of, of the coverage being better, he got those sacks and those sacks make him a much more valuable player than he was in 2019. I agree that they were like, he's, he's basically, he, he was better this year. I will say that like, even on film, he does look oh, better. It's yes. it's not like crazy better than 2019, but he was better, but for him to be worth a big contract, he had to get those sacks, and that's what he did. And the good thing for him is the guys that are on the back end are all going to be here. James Bradbury is going to be here. The cornerback two um, spot should only get better. You know, the Darnay Holmes is our nickel corner. Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, uh, Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, those guys are all here. So that's why you should expect Leonard Williams to have another pro- really productive year next year. I don't think he'll match yeah. 11 and a half. But he should have another really productive year next year. You know, and he and here's the thing with Leonard Williams, though. I would be a lot more concerned in terms of thinking about if he can replicate what he did in 2020. I would be a lot more concerned if the pressures went down and if the QB hits went down and, you know, knockdowns, whatever. But, you know, mainly pressures and QB hits. If those things go down but the sacks go up, I get a little nervous because it's like, oh, you know, it, you know, maybe he got some, maybe he got some luck, you know, the Giants secondary, they did improve, right? Giants secondary did improve. So how many of those were quote unquote coverage sacks? But the fact that the pressure all around, all around, not just the sacks, obviously everybody now talks about the sacks. Everybody now talks about the QB, QB hits because he got there and he delivered this year. But the fact that everything, everything still got better for Leonard Williams that tells me that that is sustainable. Maybe maybe the rate at which he's doing it is not sustainable, but the overall performance of being a top five, top three interior defensive lineman in the National Football League, that is something that is attainable. And I, yes. I really get frustrated. I get frustrated with Giants fans. I understand the, the price tag can be expensive, but where is the next 10, 10 sack guy on this football team? Show me. Show me where. Because is Lorenzo Carter going to be that? Let's hope and pray that he takes that step up. O'Shane Zimenez, I have no reason to think that O'Shane Zimenez is going to take that, you know, an, as such a big jump to get 10 sacks. Do you really want to go out in free agency and um, and spend, probably overpay for edge rushers? I think edge rusher is one of the most overpaid positions in the National Football League. And you look at Bill Belichick, he doesn't go out and sign edge rushers. And in the draft... Every, every time I hear uh, Rousseau, oh, I don't like that guy. Every time I hear uh, uh, Quincy Roche, oh, I don't like that guy. So what do you want to do? Where's the production going to come from if you get rid of Leonard Williams? Yeah, and like I said, I mean, the sack numbers for the whole group, which, you know, like, was were good. 21 sacks from that group is good. Hell, if they had a – if Leonard Williams has – now let's say Leonard Williams has, you know, um, six and a half sacks, 16 stat, sacks – from that group is still a really good number from the defensive tackle group with, you know, what Dalvin and Dexter would do. And then, you know, uh, Austin Johnson and BJ Hill tacking on one each. So, yeah. And Justin, he was the be- one of the best run defenders on the on the team. You know, like stats-wise, he was. He had the most tackles for a loss with 14. Um, total tackles out of the defensive tackle group, he had the most 
with um 57 and uh you know Dex and Dalvin both behind him. Um he he was the most productive on the on the team in every group. Now I would argue that Dalvin's a better run defender. Um uh, and you know he's playing the nose tackle position so he'll get less um of those numbers. But nonetheless, he, like he was a really good run defender and a lot of times set the edge. Like set the edge as a good run defender and wasn't yeah. just stuffing up the middle on a team that didn't really have outside linebackers. As the season went along, it was playing David Mayo at that spot. So, yeah, I mean, so I agree with you what you're saying. Like, should we expect 11 and a half sacks and 30 QB hits? Maybe not. Maybe not. But, you know, we should expect for him to be a top five of that position. That's what we yeah. should expect going forward for Leonard Williams. Yeah. And there's, there is no reason to think that that could change. Now, if it does change, who do you blame? What do you point to? I don't know. We'll evaluate when that comes. But, I, I want you to believe me because outside of your hunch and outside of your personal bias that you have to whether it's paying you know paying an interior defense alignment which I get I get you know we're gonna we'll even get to talking about Dalvin Tomlinson right you know I I get the bias of not wanting to do that but you just look at the flat out production and you take away the position where else is that going to come from on the on this Giants roster where? That's my question, and you can't answer it because it's not coming from anywhere else. Right, I agree. All right, let's um, you you good on on Linux? We move on. I'm good. I'm good. We're I'm probably gonna fit him in here when we have a conversation about who to bring back. What do we do? He'll come back, but um, well, let's I think let's you know talk about stance. Dalvin, and then we'll talk about their situation since those are the two guys that always get talked about in that. You know, sure. Dalvin Tomlinson, six foot three, three hundred eighteen pounds, twenty six years old. He will be a free agent, and it's kind of surprised that he hasn't been locked up. And he was a team captain, Walton Walter Payton Man of the Year for the New York Giants. He played sixty percent of the snaps this year. Justin, that's a career high for Dalvin. That was a career yes. high for snaps this year for Dalvin, or snap percentage. Let me let me rephrase that. I thought he was the Giants' two thousand nineteen Defensive Player of the Year, and his numbers compared to twenty twenty. Tackles, the exact same. Tackles for a loss, plus one. Sacks, the exact same. QB hits, plus one. Now, he did play 62 more snaps, which is basically a full game. But nonetheless, that's that's comparable. Uh, his stats on the year were 49 tackles, three and a half sacks, eight tackles for a loss, 10 QB hits, and 14 pressures. And I couldn't find this stat on the internet, but I think he may have led the NFL in tips and passes tipped at the line of scrimmage. I can check that right now. Oh, can you really? Well, I can check. Uh, it's not passes me, defended. It's passes tipped. It's a different because he doesn't have any passes defended. Well, they count. They count passes. Oh, no, because he doesn't have any passes defended. Uh. I thought they would count passes deflected as as tipped. Look at his they advan- don't count that? advanced defense in coverage. He doesn't have any p- PDs. Oh, he had four. Well, yeah. Whatever. Probably it definitely led the team. Leonard Williams only had one. Um, bad podcasting. PD. Well, see, it's not. It's not all the other guys aren't tip pat. He definitely led the team. He may have led the NFL. Is it a totally made up stat by me? Do I have anything that I'm going off of that? No, it's just my gut. He had a ton of tip passes, which are those are big plays. Like those are big plays. Those are passing downs and stopping at the zero yards. It's, here, it's like here, a, here, here you go. Holmes, you know, pass deflection. Here you go. 
Montez Sweat and Jason Pierre-Paul were the first defensive ends that popped up on the pass deflection stat on Pro Football Reference. Calais Campbell also popped up too. They had six. So he's, I mean, think about those guys. Montez Sweat probably seeing more snaps than uh, than um, Dalvin Tomlinson. Jason Pierre-Paul definitely seeing. Calais Campbell definitely seeing more snaps than uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. So that's pretty impressive. And all those guys are like six foot ten. Yeah. Um, like I said, for me, he was the 2019 defensive MVP. He plays that nose tackle role, which honestly, I don't think there's any giant on the team that is really comfortable in that role. Like you could say Austin Johnson, Dex has a size for it, but he's he's not a nose tackle. I'm sure you could put him there. But he really does have that nose tackle spot down. Like he he feels good with it. He makes centers look silly every week. And in fact, I would love to see Nick Gates versus Dalvin Tomlinson uh, center wraps in practice because I bet you that's the, the best competition Nick Gates got all year was, was Dalvin Tomlinson in practice, you know, maybe, you know, Brandon Allen or, or uh, Jonathan Allen of Washington, but, uh, he, he was a beast, man. He's just, he is that run stuffer. He's, you know, he gets three and a half sacks, but he's not a sack getter. And when he does, when he does get a sack though, it's beautiful. Cause he's usually just be, snap beats the center off the ball, gets the quarterback. I remember the one Tyler, against- him, uh, him kicking Tyler, be it as his ass. Um, the first, uh, First game against Dallas yes. was one of my favorite moments this year. He sacked Andy Dalton. And yes, and did the woo Andy Dalton Andy Dalton sack celebration. The Snacks Harrison celebration. So, I mean, Justin, he gets doesn't get talked about as much this year because this d- defense had so much production from so many different players. But now, 2019 was a bad defense. I named him my 2019 defensive MVP, and he had the same numbers. He had the the same exact numbers. Um, in fact, a little you know a little better. Um, where he had. You know, one more tackle for a loss and one more QB hit. So, Dalvin, man, he, he's just a beast who's able to clog up that middle. He's so important to the run game. He, you know, he screws up what uh, what a center's trying to do and getting it. You know, getting to one side. He always plays the right gap. He's just a sound, really good football player, and I think he's worth you know a ten mil a year, whatever type of deal that uh, he's going to command. But I could also see yeah. teams not wanting to go crazy after him too. Right. Because this is the whole conversation that surrounds Dalvin Tomlinson. Because you look around the NFL, there are there's a lot of good in, there's a lot of good nose tackles. Not not just talking about interior defensive linemen. There are a lot of good nose tackles. It's just that Dalvin Tomlinson is one of those is one of those cases where he is one of the best at what he does. You know, if if you like if you like run if you like run stop rate and and all, and all that stuff. Um, I think I like run stop rate better than like run block, uh, like win, like win rate. I don't like win rate, but run block, run block stopper. Or no, excuse me, run, run stop rate. He's one of the highest in the National Football League. I don't look at that too often, but to give you some just more advanced stuff, sure, if you like that stuff. Um, sixty percent of the snaps it did go up six percent from last year. That was a big thing in the preseason, Bobby, where we were doing his PPP, and I was looking at Dalvin Thompson. I'm like, we're seeing fifty percent. 55% of the snaps. I mean, the snap share has to go up. Like if if we are even going to have a conversation of extending Dalvin Tomlinson, he needs to be playing more than half of the snaps. Um and you know, six out of, you know, 60% of the snaps is nothing crazy, but you see how the Giants perform when he's not on the field. And this is this is the thing that is most telling about how impactful a player is. There is a significant difference in this defense, particularly the run defense, 
in terms of when he is not on the football field and when he is on the football field. They get gashed when he's not on the field. They get gashed for big gains in the running game when he's not on the football field, and that is a huge difference. So um, do you want to kind of move into a who-would-you-rather conversation? Yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll lead it off. I think the Giants should, and this is maybe me being greedy and me being a fan and not really looking at the big picture. I think this Giants defensive line it's has the ability to be really good. I mean, this year was a ninth-ranked defense. But I think every guy on this defense is so important. And I think the defensive tackles are just as important as the safeties, as the corners, as the linebackers. And I just don't want to mess it up. I really think the Giants should do what they can to keep both these guys here. To keep both these guys here. Now, I know Leonard's going to get a huge contract. And maybe even think about franchise tagging him again because... You know, he, he probably, he's not going to get this, you know, 11 and a half. If he gets 11 and a half sacks again, then you just do it. But maybe you think about tagging him again. Um, or maybe you, there's talk of uh, tagging Dalvin and then signing. Leo. Maybe, yeah, maybe you tag one of them and give the other one a contract. I just think you got to do what you have to do to keep this group together. Because the, with the defensive, the defensive, these guys are very huge in the pass game. Like them being able to be run stoffers. Allows our linebackers to play the pass. Like I do think this defense has been built very well, and and I think Dalvin's a big part of that. Uh, so I think you got to do what you have to to keep these guys together. And if that means cutting Kevin Zeitler, and you know me, I do not want to move on from Kevin Zeitler. I do not want to make this offensive line worse. But if I would rather keep Dalvin than Zeitler, I would rather keep. If if you're telling me keep three, I'm keeping Dalvin and Leo because at least I know what I've got with with the defense and I th- and I think both those guys are huge parts to it. Yeah, it all depends on the deal. Um but as of right now, I am keeping I'm prioritizing Leonard Williams number 1. Like that has to be the priority for me. And you know, it, it all stems down to that question of yes, you can disagree with whatever price tag he may come with, um but where is the production going to come elsewhere? And you may just ha- and here he- he- and here's the ultimate conversation that I have with myself: getting to the quarterback and putting pressure on the quarterback is much more important than stopping the run. And if anything, like I like I said, Thomas, to start the show and to start this positional pre- uh, positional review, I don't mind if we're giving up a little bit in the running game. Giants have are you know Giants have a top ten rushing defense right now. Even if that gets a little, even if that gets a little bit worse, I don't mind because then that gives teams it gives teams the illusion that hey you can run the ball against the Giants. And if teams are running the ball more than they're you know you know more than they're throwing the ball, I am very fine with that. Go ahead, run all day. You're not going to do a lot running consistently. You know there's only a few teams in the NFL: the Titans, the Browns. The Ravens, uh, name probably there's a couple of teams that I'm forgetting that can just run the ball at will. The majority of the NFL cannot do that. So go ahead, think that you can run the ball against us because you're because it's not going to result in you getting seven points consistently. So it's a replaceable position, you know. Uh, while we do get gashed when Dalvin's not on the field, but I just don't feel comfortable giving a lot of money to an interior defensive lineman or to a nose tackle specifically when somebody else can step up and play that position. And the Giants have been defensive tackle you for years. We move on from Barry Cofield. Um, somebody else steps in. Linville Joseph steps in. Linville Joseph goes. Um, we sign Snacks Harrison for free agency. But also we draft Jonathan Hankins. Jonathan Hankins leaves. We draft Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah. But the counter argument to that would be 
and where I, if you're going either or, where I could fall into this, it's I mean it's hard for me to pick. That's why I want to keep both. Is say Leonard's numbers at 19 a, a year, Dalvin's is at 10, which I think is is too realistic. You know, you can argue Dalvin could be less or more. Um, Leonard, I think is is probably going to land around there um, at the least like 16 mil. Is you know what you increase BJ Hill who has some pass rush ability snaps. Um, you know he's entering year four. Uh, I guess that would be the end of it. I was going to say RJ McIntosh, but you can't you can't make the argument that RJ. Yeah, McIntosh I, is- I even have an I even have in my notes here, Bobby. You know I love Dex, I love BJ Hill, and if you want to bring an RJ McIntosh into the discussion, but none of those guys even together cumulatively, I don't think can put up the numbers. Like if you add up the pressures, the QB hits, and the sacks between all three of those guys in a given year. I don't even know if they can meet the production of Leonard Williams in one year in 2020. I don't know. I don't think so. No, you won't never meet their 2020 numbers. The question is, could you get, you know, could you add a sack to Dex, two sacks to, you know, to, to BJ Hill and then assume that Leonard goes down to like seven and a half and it's like, okay, you're one sack off there. Like that's the argument you could make is that they could replace that production. It's, and we'll talk about Dex in a second, but I think he can have a, a really a, a third-year jump, and that would be saying something because he was, he was really good this year. Um, so it, it's it's going to be a tough decision, but I do think the fact that Dalvin hasn't been re-signed kind of says the organization may be leaning towards Leonard. And let's be real, they just have more wrapped up in Leonard. Yeah, yes. Um, usually the organization... Now, Dalvin Tomlinson is not a Victor Cruz. Um, he's not a... Plastical Burris is not an Eli Manning, right? Or, you know, even take Odell for an example, where they had an Od- they had an extension with Odell worked out in the summer before the last year of his deal, where that's typically how the Giants operate. If you're an important player of the franchise, they like to extend you the summer before um the summer before the season ends. Or summer before your last contract year is. So we'll see. We'll see. My priorities lie with, you know, pass rush, getting to the quarterback, and making it a priority to make sure that we have a replacement for Dalvin Tomlinson and do our self-scouting and do our self-evaluation that we can. For sure, for sure. All right, let's talk about Dexter Lawrence. Six foot four, 342 pounds, 23 years old. It was obviously the 17th overall pick in the 2019 draft. The Giants have control of him through 2023. 3.6 mil cap hit this year, 4.2 the uh, in 2022. And then in 2023, if they pick up an option, it'd be 13.2. So you'd hope they get something done by then. He played 60% of the snaps this year, which is actually down 3.3% compared to 2019. Uh, Leonard Williams being on the team for the whole season probably has something to do with that. But his yeah. numbers were good. Like His numbers were good thinking about the three-man rotation that this, guy's, this team has and the fact that they like to play Johnson and, and Hill. And 53 tackles, four sacks, which I think is a formidable number. Six tackles for a loss, 10 QB hits, 16 pressures. Justin, every time I popped on the film, I had there was three like really good plays by Dex every game. Every game, it's like, you know, there's three really good plays. And I know that sounds, probably doesn't sound like enough when you think of like a, of a game that has 60 snaps in it. But those plays, when you add them up, like, oh, you get these amount of plays from uh, Dalvin, these amount of plays from Leo, these amount of plays from Blake, these amount of plays from Logan Ryan, these amount from plays, Peps. That's that's big. That's big. And four sacks is a, is a good number for his spot. And, Justin, I think he's at a position that really does have a third-year jump. I think the defensive tackle spot, you get that third-year jump, you get to the use of those NFL offensive linemen, you really do grow up. I mean, you look at Dalvin. 
I mean, Dalvin, no one was singing Dalvin's praises until 2019 when he really seemed to jump. And honestly, Leonard Williams' <laughs> trade seemed to open him up a little more. So I love Dex. He's fun to watch. He manhandles running backs. It's, it's funny to see him pull running backs down. He's a run stuffer, but he also has a little bit of pass rush ability. And I really do think this guy is going to be some like people are going to know about Dexter Lawrence year three yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. I called him my most underrated giant um, last week because I felt like every everybody was calling Dalvin Tomlinson underrated so much that it actually made him properly rated. So we got to give some Dexter, got to give Dexter Lawrence some love. The fact that I, you know, he's drafted in the first round. That's kind of bananas. Drafted in the first round, so he gets that fifth year option. So he's here until 2023, which is great. If you think about just how great that is, you know, we have two, you know, wish, wish it was three. His fifth year option is a 13 mil cap hit, though. I was so surprised to see that for the Whoa. defensive tackle group. Yeah. Is he is is he counted as a defensive tackle or is he counted as a defensive end? He should be counted as a D-tackle. Should be, yeah. I mean, I would assume as D-tackle. Maybe, because maybe that's, that's why, not right. I don't know. But, I mean, that's what over the because, cap said. Because that's why, you know, the that's why I wouldn't want to tag, like, Leo again because Leo is technically a defensive end. Whereas tagging Tomlinson, you can't argue that he's a defensive end. Like he, he's a defense, he's a nose tackle. You can't argue anything different. Whereas Leonard Williams, there was that wiggle room last year. But um, yeah, it's bizarre. Fifth year, fifth year cap hits are usually big for first round draft picks. I think that's why teams like to get an extension done early. I don't know, but that's cool. And I, I 100% agree with you, Bobby. You would put on film and he would jump. Um, and you could see like there, there were plays, especially towards the second half of the season, that. It was even apparent just on the on the TV broadcast too. Like, oh, Dalvin Thompson made that play in the run game. Dalvin Thompson got pressure there. Dalvin Thompson did this. So I'm sorry, Dexter uh, Lawrence. Uh, Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence did this. So that was it was a lot of fun to see. Uh, mo- my most underrated giant. Yeah, man. It's just and part of he's underrated because of how good Dalvin and Leonard are. You know, obviously Leonard had the the huge year this year. Um, he's a beast, man. And and we'll talk about it with our inside linebacker review. You know, whenever that comes. Though these three guys that we just talked about. Those linebackers love playing behind. It's it's a whole different world playing behind three guys like that. I mean, they take up one, two guys. The guys, people aren't going to be the linebackers. It opens up gaps for linebackers to shoot. I mean, it's got to be fun playing behind those guys. And, and Dex is, is a bigger part of that as a run stuffer than he is the other two. And he does have, like, some actual pass rush ability. Uh, you know, four, four sacks for him in his second year, to me, is pretty good. I mean, in, and in his rookie year, I think he had um, – I can pull it up right here. I think he had three and a half sacks as a as a rookie, two and a half sacks as a rookie. Um, and I thought his rookie year was was pretty good. I thought it slowed down towards the end of the season, but overall, like I thought he had a a, a solid rookie season. Um, like I said, you're never gonna get unless you have Leonard Williams like these huge huge numbers. Like it's always gonna be like you know the the productions in the film with these guys, uh, but the the production really is in the film with Dexter Lawrence. I think that's also a reason to possibly not pay both Leonard and Dalvin because they will have to worry about the cap hit that will eventually come with Dexter Lawrence, even as even as a rookie. You just want to get rid of Dalvin. You hate Dalvin Tomlinson. No, no, I don't. I genuinely don't. I'm trying to just think with my brain. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It's, this will be the first year in a while where it's like you're sad to see someone go, you know? Yeah. For, like, no compensation. You know? Right. It's like, I wasn't sad to see Landon go. Uh, Odell, it's like, you get the competition. Like, who's the last person that's like, oh, sad to 
So long, partner. People say people say Linville Joseph. Hankins was on there. Hank, eh. Hankins, yeah, he was good. Never number one worthy. I really do think that, but I'm th- I'm just thinking like a good player who's like it's sad to see you go. I th- Linville, I mean Linville Joseph was a was a good player towards the latter end, and then obviously he I get that. But Hankins became. played has played more recently than Linville Joseph. No, but I'm thinking of of somebody that Giants fans still talk about. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We never talk about Jonathan Hankins. Like people, like people say, don't repeat the Linville Joseph mistake when it comes to. I think they're really talking about Dalvin Tomlinson. Don't repeat the Linville Joseph mistake. They don't say don't repeat the Jonathan Hankins mistake. Yeah. Bob Papa said that today on Twitter. Don't repeat the Linville Joseph mistake. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. Let's 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 finish off the defensive tackle group. We'll go a little quicker with these guys. B.J. Hill, six foot three, three hundred eleven pounds, twenty five years old. He has one year left on his rookie deal at one point two eight million. He played thirty four percent of the snaps, which was a career low. His uh, last year he played forty four percent, and his rookie year he played fifty nine percent. He was. He was a key member of this team uh, in, in, 20, in 2018. He had 32 tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss, three QB hits, six pressures. Uh, his one sack was against Chicago, meaning that four of his seven and a half career sacks are against Chicago. Um, <laughs> Justin, he's just buried on the depth chart. He's just buried on the depth chart, and I think that might be some people's point of contention with Dave Gettleman, is that you have a player like B.J. Hill, who we all like, who we think is pretty good. If he got more snaps, you you have some more production. Like if if BJ Hill is playing instead of thirty four percent of the snaps and you know say he's playing fifty seven, like you're not surprised if BJ Hill has a four or five sack year. I mean I mean he had five and a half his, his rookie year, you know three again three in one game. But but if he has four or five sacks, you're not surprised. But BJ Hill, he's a good player. Like you know we talk about this group maybe being the best in the NFL, the best defensive tackle group in the NFL. How many teams have BJ Hill as their fourth guy in in their defensive tackle rotation? I think we overrate B.J. Hill a little bit. I don't think we do. I mean, I see him have good pass rushes like, whenever he plays. It's like, and he'll, he, he'll make dudes look silly at times. Like, I don't think B.J. Hill is, I mean, maybe maybe in your mind, because it depends on what you see people rating him as. But, like, no, his PFF grade last year, he had the best PFF grade on the Giants defense, apparently. Did he really? Interior, interior defense line. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. I don't, well, PFF sucks. Their grades suck. Oh, okay. Their grades do suck. I mean, I'm, that's that's not me. That's not me picking and choosing. That's me. That's 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 me being consistent. Right no, there. no. You said depending on what you know, what you see or what you see people say, and I'm like, well, oh, PFF they're overrated because of what is PF. Okay, that okay. Then that makes sense. Okay, I get what you're saying. Sorry, I, I thought you meant like. Okay, so yeah, if you're looking at PFF grades, then he's definitely overrated. Um, but he also, I mean, even last, I, I feel like last year was a big prove it year for him, and. Part of the reason why I feel like they went out and they got Leonard Williams, you know, and Bobby, his snap share in 2019 was almost 50%, but I feel B.J. Hill not coming to fruition and that Giants defensive line just getting gashed in the run game last year, partially because they had bad linebackers, but them getting gashed in the run game last year was partially because of B.J. Hill, and he just wasn't producing as much. I mean, he had one, he had one sack last year on 44%. Of defense snaps. It's almost 50% of defense snaps and to get one sack. Dalvin Thompson's a better pass rusher than that. Yeah. But you just when you watch him on film, he's a good pass rusher. But I do agree there's a good amount there's a decent drop off run stopping wise with the other yeah. three compared to those. And that, two QB hits. Two. Two. So it's not even like three. it's not even like he snuck or I'm talking about in twenty nineteen. And he played more snaps. 
Two. It's bad. I mean, it's not not great. Uh, he's not a bad player. I mean, it, for for the fourth string guy, but I don't I don't think we should go as far to say that. Oh, BJ Hill, maybe he would be starting on most teams, or he would be much higher on the depth chart. I don't think we should go. I think he would start on most teams, though. I th- I don't think he would perform that great. I think you put him on a four three defense. Like if you put him on the Eagles, I think he I think he has some really good production. Cowboys. Put him on the Cowboys. The Cowboys need help there too. Where it's like where you have some, you know, obviously elite defensive ends make everybody look better, but you have some good defensive ends. Like I, I really think he would flourish on that. Um, and he might he I think he is a guy that struggles from being double teamed. Um, you see yeah. it in the run game where I think if you had if he had more one on ones with guards, I think uh, I think you'd like him. But the fact that Giants don't have anybody on the edge, especially towards the end of the year, that I think that hurts him a little bit too. Thirty two tackles is impressive for. 30% of the snaps? Yeah. That's impressive. I mean, he probably had more tackles than Devontae Downs this year. Yeah. Ooh, tough. Did he? Tough. Let's look at it. Devontae Downs. Are, we're, we're not doing tight ends this episode, are we? We are. We have to. We, we, we'll get it done. What? We'll spend some time on Evan Ingram and the other. It's fine. Oh, I don't know how we're going to do it. Devontae Downs had... I think we should just tease... I think we should, I think we should just tease... 33 him. tackles. So, yes, BJ Hill had more tackles than... Well, Devontae Downs. Well, tough. Devontae Downs had one more. No, no. BJ Hill had 30... 32. Ah, damn it! I'm not... Narratives. <laughs> I know. I was, that'd be a good tweet. Like, BJ Hill had more tackles than Devontae Downs. All right, let's move on. Austin Johnson. Uh, where is he? Six foot four, 314 pounds. He's 26 years old. He's young, but he feels like he's old because he came over from the Titans. 18 tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss, one QB hit, two pressures. Uh, he played 21% of the snap count. Uh, he is a free agent. He came over from the Titans on a one-year, $1.5 million deal. I thought he was, you know, we're talking about of where these guys' roles are. For a fifth defensive tackle, um, for a guy that, you know, I didn't think was going to even make the team, he was pretty solid. He had some good moments. Oh, I... I know you're going to bring up against Chicago, but after that game, he was pretty good. Like, the San Fran game, he was good. There was there was games where Austin Johnson was like, you know, like where he left the game, like, you know, Austin Johnson played really well. You're dead to me, though, after that. I mean, that that Chicago game broke my... And you, you can go back to the... Go back to the tape. Go back to the receipts of that... Of, of after that game, um, that Talking Giants episode. That Chicago game broke me because, you know, we, we played well against Pittsburgh... Had you know uh, just needed one more stop on defense to get the ball back, um, and and try and try to put up some sort of scoring effort. That Chicago game and seeing Austin Johnson when we have <laughs> like so many good other de- interior defense linemen, and you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Having Austin Johnson in the game at that time wasn't the worst thing because he is kind of a good run defender. Um, but still, uh, I, I mean, think that, that was that, the only game where we were mad at Patrick Graham. Because that was the game where he did the three-man rushes on third down. Oh yes, um, yes. And like, Corey Ballantyne was still playing. What were we doing playing. on that final drive? And then, and then, like what? you said, that final drive where they just gashed us in the run game. Um, now he didn't play this year, but I got to give some love to my boy, R.J. McIntosh, six foot four, two hundred eighty-three pounds, twenty-four years old, out of Miami. He was a fifth-round draft pick. Somebody in the comments got mad at me, saying like, "Oh, it's a bold take to say that he's a success." I think if a fifth-round pick is on the roster going into year four and probably will finish out his contract, I view that as a success. Um, 
He didn't play. He was he was a healthy scratch every game this year. Every game. He wasn't active for a single game. Uh, but in 2019, on 114 snaps, he had two sacks, two tackles for a loss, two QB hits. My man, every time he plays, he makes plays. Every time he plays, he makes plays. So I hope RJ McIntosh gets that chance in year four. That's all I got on him. I hope he does too. Yeah, I mean, I someone's going to have to replace that Leonard Williams production, you know. Tough. Tough if you're me. Tough if you're, tough if you're Justin. All right, let's take a break. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Well, the holiday season may be over. The sports calendar is in full swing this week. From collegiate to professional sports, there's no short of action. And there is no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't tried out DraftKings Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Seriously. Wait, what are you what's, what are you waiting for? To celebrate this year's football playoffs, DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100 to 1 odds. That's right. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend. And if your team wins, you cash $100. Not doll hairs, kids. Dollars. Well, we are all excited for football, let's not forget the 2021 basketball season has tipped off. So head to the app now and check out all the DraftKings daily odds boosts. Don't bet on Kyrie because he's probably just not going to show up. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Make it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY when you sign up to get 100 to 1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code JOHNBOY for new players to get a shot at $100 on any football action this weekend. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Question mark? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. With it. Not with it like, you, like you're some gangster. With it. I was going to say bet on Kyrie Irving. Um... You can bet on the the date that he's going to miraculously return. Can I don't know if you can bet on that. Uh, they should create a category. Do we know why he's a? I all right. I did hear. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this with. Kyrie. I did. Uh, well, I don't. I don't know what the reason is. It's political reasons. Nobody knows. No. No. We, no. Nobody knows. Everyone's just guessing because Kyrie won't say anything. I wish I could do that. I know Knicks fans are like, oh, you got. We told you. It's like. This isn't me saying I didn't wish Kyrie's on the team. I'm very happy Kyrie's on the team and gives us a chance to win a championship. But I always knew he was going to be annoying, and he's annoying. This is a little bit more than annoying. Yeah, but the, here's the issue, though, Justin, is when you say that, people are like, well, it's personal reasons. You don't know what's going on. You know, just, just tell us what's happening. That's all you really have to do. Like, you'll win a lot of people over, including myself, if you tell us, and it's something that's kind of reasonable. As long You're as like, it's kind of reasonable. Common courtesy. Hey, where yeah. are you? You're this not the first showing game. up to work. Like his coach didn't even know. Like he just never heard back from. You know, Steve Nash ever never heard back from. Him. Was a Uanus Cespedes situation. Yeah, missing. Got yeah. it. But the issue is, is all you know. The woke, every you know, woke city tells us like, oh, don't judge, don't judge. <laughs> just be, let it be. He's going through this. Anyways, could you like? I couldn't just. It is what it is. Um. 
Now, Justin, behind the scenes, a big old jerk, said, We can't do tight ends. We don't have enough time. We have to talk about Evan Ingram. We're, we ought to fit this in. We can't do it. We I'm an ego, egotistical Justin says, Let's put Evan Ingram at the beginning of a show where more eyes and ears will be on it. So, made the executive decision, and we're teasing it. It's going to happen Friday. Maybe. Maybe some big news will happen. We won't have time to do it. You know what? It will happen Friday, unless we have like 45 minutes worth of news. But even if Jason Garrett is fired, we will do tight ends. I don't know. I may want to just celebrate and run around, run around my, my, my room Jason for Garrett about Jason fired. We minutes. spend 30 minutes on that, and then we spend 20 minutes on the tight ends. I may just do push-ups live on air. I hope he gets the Eagles job. I mean, they're looking for someone they can control. And supposedly <laughs> that was the fun. issue with Doug Peterson. It's like, hey, like, you know. Need someone he could control. So like that, the Eagles, and that is why I always said you should always side with your players over ownership. Obviously, there's certain decisions where it's like you got to do stuff, but on that, Doug Peterson should have never budged with the playing night Sudford thing. He should have been like, no, like I, we are not taking this game. Like my job is to win games, and I get that you're my boss, but I will always go out, have my players back, and for the long term, that is what's in our best interest is for me to have our players back. And so for them to have that mandate and then they fire him, uh, I, I feel like he's probably like, I feel like Doug Peterson is more good riddance than the Eagles are good riddance of, of Doug Peterson. You know what I mean? We're not going to tank it. No, we ain't going to. But they already did tank it. So goodbye, Doug Peterson. Uh, they, have a, they have a statue. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you knew this, Bobby Skinner. I did. I saw it today for the first time. <laughs> they have a statue. Philadelphia Eagles do. Um, outside their stadium, Lincoln Financial Field, they have a statue of Nick Foles, who is a backup quarterback, who couldn't even get put in. Right, so this is also... They would have won the game if they put him in. It's also a wild thing. Nick Foles, like, won a Super Bowl and had an amazing postseason, yet the Bears wanted to... Hey, I can't argue with the N- NVP, though, with uh, Mitchell Trubisky. NVP Mitch. And uh, they also have uh, a statue uh, sharing sharing that same statue with the backup quarterback. They have Doug Peterson, who they just fired. So winning a Super Bowl for Philly, their first Super Bowl, being fired less than three years later, is kind of crazy. It's also kind of crazy they have a statue of a fictional character that allowed Apollo Creed to die. So I mean, what's yeah, what's crazy? They, they are scumbag city. They are what's scumbag crazier? city, a scumbag organization. They're also fraudulent because. I went to I wow I went to college in Philly I'm just bashing it. It's fraudulent because the main identity of their city is is cheese is cheesesteaks and you know if you get cheese whiz which people love it's fake cheese it's fake it's not even real. It's I'm a fraudulent. provolone guy with my cheesesteak kind of guy. I I like provolone too. Now that now that you're talking about it, chicken cheesesteak. What do they steak. do though? What do they do? What does the city of Philadelphia do? The Eagles. That oh. head coach. Because <laughs> they're in cap hell. They don't know what they're going to do with the quarterback. I mean, they really are screwed going forward. Well, the Philadelphia Eagles are going to resemble uh, how some college students chose to celebrate winning the Super Bowl. They're going to eat a bunch of horse shit. They will. They're going to eat it. Um, it was really so, a good joke. I mean, some yeah. Of my, some of my best a, stuff. It's a good joke, but you know, it, it takes a lot to get me to laugh. It just does. I saw a little smirk. You gave a little smirk. I know. And that means it's a good joke. Oh, thanks. They but to get me that. to like bust out laughing, it's just, and I, it's just, you know, different, different, different styles of humor too. Different like, strokes. 
for different like, folks. There's stuff that makes me laugh where Bob, people look at me like, dude, that's not funny. Like, I don't know. Why. Yeah. <laughs> Hang at that. Uh, yeah, so, I, I, I mean, I, I guess that's that's it. You know, we don't need to spend 20 minutes on, on Doug Pierce and the Eagles. It was a real, it was a real letdown. I'm sure a lot of people wanted to hear the Evan Ingram conversation, and it's my bad. I even teased it on Twitter. So, so just just know when the title the title says D line position D line D line review. It's this guy's fault right here. D line review. I knew we were going to take a long time on the defensive lineman, but I didn't think I didn't think we'd go over thirty minutes. But it is what it is. If you're a fan of the Giants, then you really enjoyed that. What was it? For, how many minute conversation on the defensive line? 44. Four, we yeah, spent 40, four minutes BSing at the start. 43 minute conversation on the defensive line. <laughs> All right, so but Friday you have the tight end review to look forward to and the return of giant stories. Whoa! The return of giant stories uh, on Friday. So that should be some fun. Uh, we will see you then, hopefully, maybe sooner. Maybe we'll break some news and be sooner. We appreciate you guys. Thank you for supporting Talking Giants versus the World. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go Big Blue.